Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bucs Nation? Welcome to today's episode of the Locked On Bucs Podcast, brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. I am your host, David Harrison, joined as always by my co-host, James Yarko. On Twitter, find us at dharrison82 and at jarko underscore bucks. Also find the show at Locked On Bucks. And then find everything that James and I are writing about your Tampa Bay Buccaneers over at bucksnation.com, on Twitter at bucks underscore nation. Today, we have got a great show for you. We're catching back up with senior writer and editor of Buccaneers.com, Scott Smith. So without further ado, let's bring in Scott and jump into the conversation. All right, guys, and as promised, we are now joined here at the Locked on Bucks podcast by Scott Smith, senior writer and editor over at Buccaneers.com, covering your Tampa Bay Buccaneers from inside the organization on Twitter at Scott S. Bucks. And Scott, I actually have to ask because we don't have tiktok but we know that carmen has recently joined the tiktok crowd have you also joined the tiktok crowd i would first have to know what in the world tiktok is <laughs> i think i think i'm probably a shade above you in the knowledge of tiktok but i yeah I've, I've i've so far i've been successful resisting getting into that that atmosphere of social media as well yeah that's not my thing yeah absolutely but scott let's jump right into minicamp that is you know when i text you over the weekend I asked you specifically if we could talk about minicamp, and that's what we're here to do as we get into the quote-unquote dead season here for about the next you know four or five weeks before we really start ramping up for training camp. Um, and we're talking about new faces. Joe Tryon was on the field for the first time after his surgery. Kyle Trask has been the focus for a lot of fans, some positive, some negative. We talked about that the last time you were on the show. How did those guys look out there in their first practices, their first sessions with the team, and especially with the entire roster out there uh, with most of the starters coming back and participating? Yeah, it was definitely a better um, venue to, to sort of judge these guys with with all the veterans out there on the field as well. It, th- that being said, it's always hard with the guys in the trenches on both sides in an unpra- you know, unpadded practice where they're purposely not trying to get near any quarterbacks um, to, to tell for sure. But Joe Tryon did look pretty good. You know, it was his first time he practiced. They, they had the minor scope a few weeks before the draft, and so the Bucks were cautious with them during – OTAs, but he got out there on the field and he looked quick. He looked, uh, I think coach Aaron's called him slippery. Um, and that's good. It's hard to see that sometimes at this part of the year. So it looked like a good start. Um, <clears throat> I think Shaq said that he looked, uh, he looked like he belonged out there. So um, a pretty good start for Joe Tryon. Kyle Trask, of course, he's going to have ups and downs as a rookie quarterback. And I don't think that we should get too all concerned about each practice that Kyle Trask has here, even in training camp, because this is not a guy that the Bucks are intending, you know, counting on to to do something big for them this year, right? I mean, we're this is a guy they're trying to develop for a couple of years down the road. So, um, and, you know, they've talked about how uh, he's taking everything very slow and steady. And so, I think that's what we should expect from Kyle Trask, just, um, you know, a slow and steady progress. And we'll see in the end if it was, uh, you know, if it was a worthwhile pick and if it ends up being something that can help the Bucks in the future. Another new face is, of course, running back Giovanni Bernard. And we talked about him the last time you were on as well. But Gio had made it a point to participate in both OTAs as well as Tom Brady's private workouts. How is Gio fitting in with both the offense and the team from what you were able to see at minicamp? Yeah, I mean, he looks like he's fitting in really well, and, and that just makes this all way more complicated for me because from a one-to-one replacement on the roster in the depth chart last year, he, he replaces LaShawn McCoy, and as we know now, um, <clears throat> LaShawn didn't really end up 
having much work to do last year. You know, he had a couple games early on and a little bit in December, but for the most part, he really wasn't needed. And uh, and so you take if you put Giovanni Bernard in that role, you think, well, you know, what's work? What work is there going to be for him? But he really does kind of stand out as a pass catcher. He looks really natural. Um, he he looks like he's got a lot left in the tank. He looks quick and fast. Um, he, I just think he's probably got more to offer than no offense to LaShawn McCoy because LaShawn McCoy had a fantastic career and overall had a bigger career so far than Giovanni Bernard. But I think at this point in his career, Bernard has a lot more still to offer. And so it, it starts to get complicated because you think about that backfield, you know, Coach Arian said he considers both Jones and Fournette starters, which I think is the case. That's kind of what it looks like. And then I know they'd like to get Keyshawn Vaughn a little more action, uh, so how do you how do you divvy up all these touches? I think it's going to be a long time, well into training camp, right up to the season before we have a very good idea. You know, barring injuries, of course. You know, what kind of role is available to Giovanni Bernard, or is he going to be good enough as a third down back that you won't be able to keep him off the field, and that'll cost the other guys some touches? It's a good problem to have, obviously, but it's to me, it's really kind of confusing to try to figure out right now. More coming here at the Locked On Bucks podcast with Scott Smith, senior writer and editor of Buccaneers.com. But first, guys, we got to talk about betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action, whether it be baseball in full swing or the hockey playoffs, NBA playoffs, everything going on, UFC, MMA, before the next contest begins. Head over to BetOnline with your laptop or your mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game. Head to the website and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using the promo code Locked On. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Back now for segment two here at the Locked On Bucks podcast. David Harrison and James Jarko joined by senior writer and editor of Buccaneers.com, Scott Smith. Yeah, so we've had some conversations about that running back group and talked about some rankings that other publications have had about the running back group. And we're, we're just kind of confused as to how if, if the team right now doesn't have solidified exactly how they're going to uh, attack the running game with their running back stable, how other publications are ranking the group as a whole until they see what the Buccaneers are going to do. Like you said, a good problem to have plethora of talent there in the running back group. Uh, a lot of teams would, would be fortunate, so fortunate to have that much talent. But of course, this wouldn't be a Buccaneers podcast or a Buccaneers conversation if we didn't talk about Tom Brady, right? So <laughs> Tom Brady comes back to the organization. Obviously, they're having some workouts uh, on the in the facility, just away from uh, the 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 voluntary camps and everything going on. Had that knee procedure that everybody talked about. We saw the videos of him throwing without a brace, and then he has a brace on uh, to help kind of deal with an injury he had since reportedly since last April. Uh, he even kind of smirked about his physical health when he spoke with the media last week. Do you think? We're going to get an even bigger season from Brady now that he's got two good knees or that cleaned up knee, or are we going to get a lot of what we saw last season? Because not just with his health, but with the return of OJ and with, with another year under their belt and a full off season, you know, in, in theory to go through, a lot of people are expecting even more from this Buccaneers offense. Is that fair? Or do you think that we not, not so much that we saw the best out of them, but that like what they did is really enough and they can carry that momentum into the next season? Well, I mean, I, I think I answered that in a couple of ways. Yeah, what we got last year, almost 31 points per game, and the same thing in the playoffs, is probably enough. Um, but that being said, there's no reason not to think that this offense shouldn't be better, it, on paper at least, heading into 2021, because it, it has something to do with the knee. I think uh, you know a little more mobile Tom Brady will give them a few more options, but I mean, it's not like we expect to see him running around that much. Um, I think it more, has more to do with 
him, you know, you've, you've all, by now we've all heard the stories is it's funny because after the Super Bowl, uh, in, in the months that follow, uh, Tom Brady and others start to share some things that they didn't really want to share uh, as it was all going on, like the knee and like um, the fact that he didn't really feel like he had a great grasp of the offense until pretty you know, well into the second half of the season. Yeah. You know, you think about that and now you think about them all going into this this 2021 season and they know the offense now from day one. I mean, think about how we were talking about how he didn't look comfortable with his receivers and Mike Evans in particular after that opening week loss in New Orleans it was kind of the story and it was kind of the story all along about how this is a work in progress so if you take all the same players plus maybe more OJ Howard this year plus maybe a little Giovanni Bernard and um, you know hopefully knock on wood experience the same pretty good uh, uh, luck in terms of injuries I don't know why you wouldn't expect this offense to be better but then again how much more can you do you know, he threw 50 touchdown passes counting the postseason. <laughs> Theoretically, he can do more. Will it be more, you know, will it be more, will it pr- prove to be more statistically or will it just be better, more efficient? You know, I, I don't know. It's hard to say, but on paper, it looks better to me than it did a year ago. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and Scott, that leads me perfectly into my next question. You you mentioned O.J. Howard. We've talked about Gio Bernard. You do have Antonio Brown and and Howard and Brown and and, and Dominican Sue missed time at, at minicamp due to recovering from injuries. And right. B.A. said that he didn't want to rush O.J. back and, and all that. But with a healthy O.J. and a healthy Antonio Brown, who was with the team for the entire offseason, rather than kind of learning as he goes, what do you personally see as – potentially the biggest changes to the offense this coming year in terms of ball distribution and even some playing time for these guys. You got, you know, three phenomenal tight ends. You you got AB along with, with the plethora of wide receivers. We don't need to list them all, but you know, what, what do you see as the biggest changes in, in playing time? I think the thing I would point to first is that at the point, so OJ Howard got hurt near the end of the fourth game, that good comeback win over the chargers. And at the end of the fourth week, he was our leading pass catcher among tight ends, and he already had two touchdown catches at that point, which was more than Gronk had. He had more catches and more yards at that point than Gronk had. Um, so if you put OJ in the mix for 16 games or 17 games, <laughs> I keep forgetting that, um, I, I kind of feel like you're going to see a little bit more of the ball going to him, than, mm-hmm. and maybe that takes a little bit away from what Gronk's numbers look like, but that's not really that big of a problem because you're still going to have an, an occasional um, huge play from Gronk because he can still make those huge plays downfield or those plays where he like is bowling over guys. But he's also proved to be a, a very good blocker for us. So think about all the times you could have Gronk and OJ on the field um, in your 12 personnel. I think they could do a lot with that. So, you know, from 2019, I think we were in 12 personnel about. 20% of the time. And last year it was more like 22 or 23 or 24% of the time. There's not a whole lot more. You're going to go up from that because you still with all these great receivers are going to go three wide more often than anything else. But I can see maybe even a little bit more of that 12 personnel, which also helps if you're trying to, as Bruce Arians says a lot that he wants to field a more balanced offense with a, a more efficient rushing attack. I mean, you know, you know, 12 personnel is a good package to run out of, but if you also have two tight ends that can go, off the line and you can turn those plays that that look like running plays into passing plays, that could be a very good um, uh, approach for the Buccaneers. And, and, you know, Bruce Arians has said in the past that he considers 12 their their base 
offensive package. So um, as for Antonio Brown, yeah, it'll be interesting to see with the full season um, if he is getting 80% of the the snaps with Mike and Chris in in, uh, 11 personnel or how much they're going to try to use Scotty Miller. I still think there's, there's more um, for him to do, you know, it's just like we were talking about with the running backs. It's kind of hard to say. And, and, you know, assuming that we're not dealing with any injuries, there's a lot of ways this team could go with this loaded offense. Yeah, and Scott, something that we saw, this isn't really offense really, or actually really even defense, it's special teams, right? The third phase, often forgotten phase of football, that's actually one of the most important. Um, we saw Jalen Darden getting coached up by Jaden Mickens. And, you know, uh, James and I have seen things like that happen before on, on practice fields where veteran guys are coaching up younger guys. You've seen it, you know, many times in your career, obviously. But a lot of times when these pictures come out or these stories come out, fans are genuinely surprised, especially in a situation where you have Jalen Darden, who's expected to challenge Jane Mickens for that special team spot on the roster, which in theory could determine which one of them ends up on the active roster and which one doesn't. Can you talk about kind of that atmosphere within a football organization, the team, and why it's really not such a surprise from the inside out as much as it is from the outside in? Yeah, I think that's probably more the norm than a surprise. And I was standing there um, when Jaden started doing that. We were only about eight or ten feet away from where Jaden was teaching Jalen a bunch of little uh, minutiae about kickoff returns. Like, for instance, you guys probably know the rule that um, if you're – you're back there to return a kickoff and it's bouncing your sideline. You can put one foot out of bounds and field the ball. And even if the ball is still in bounds, it's considered that the ball went out of bounds. If you caught it with one foot out of bounds and then it's that great penalty on the kicking team where you get the ball way up at 40. Um, a lot of people know that rule. A lot of people don't know that rule and it's not the same in college. So it makes sense that Jaden would be teaching him that. Um, but I think that's more common than uncommon. I think most players like Shaq and JPP are going to be coaching up Joe Tryon as much as possible, even though he might be taking away their snaps. And part of the reason is these guys, you know, there's a camaraderie on a team and it's the right thing to do, but they're also confident. I mean, Jaden Mickens, I can tell you from seeing it many times on the practice field is a very confident player. So he can feel confident and know he's doing the right thing and helping the team by by coaching up um, Jalen Darden, but he still thinks he's going to win that job. And and I think that's the way a lot of guys feel. Yeah, we're going to help the younger guys. It's going to help the team, but they're going to have to beat me, and I'm not going to let it happen. Yeah, absolutely. Iron sharpens iron is, is the, the cliche that's used, and and it's a, it's a good thing to see those veterans out there coaching up the younger guys. Uh, Scott, before we switch things over to the defense, there was something else that was said that, that requires some attention, um, and that, of course, involves both sides of the ball. Shaq Barrett, like you just mentioned, saying that second-year tackle Tristan Wirfs is the best offensive lineman he's ever gone against uh, in his career, whether you're talking in practice or in a game, with these two facing off against one another every day in practice. Again, the cliche comes up, iron sharpens iron. Which player do you think benefits from the other uh, the most in the head-to-head matchups? I know the easy answer is the young guy, Tristan, but I, don't, I wonder if there's a dynamic here that maybe Shaq actually gains more from dealing with Tristan versus the expected younger guy gaining more from the, from the experienced veteran. Yeah, that could be true because uh, I would imagine if I were in Shaq's case, I wouldn't have expected Tristan Wirfs to be that freaking good right off the bat. So he probably went out there and thought, you know, these simple moves would work, and when they didn't, he had to – you know, expand his bag of tricks to try to beat him. So I think you got a point there. Um, I, I did listen to, I did go back and listen to that exchange. And I think specifically Shaq thought he was being asked who the best guy he went against last year was. So I think he definitely said Tristan was the best guy. I'm not sure he was saying he was the best guy he ever went against in his entire career. Okay. 
Um, but it, it, you know, splitting hairs here, the point was he thought he was fantastic and he is, um, it, it helps both of them, obviously. Yeah, I would think, but it's hard to say which one gets more out of it. The other thing about Shaq that I thought you were going to ask me about right there was when he started talking about his goals for the season, <laughs> and he is, he is not shy about what he wants to do this year. I mean, because I, I, I think I tweeted something right at the beginning where he, he said he wanted to, um, gosh, I can't remember exactly what it was, but, uh, and then it seemed like a very lofty goal. And then a, a couple minutes later, he's saying he wants to be the defensive player of the year and maybe the MVP uh, and the, be the best player in the entire league at his position. I'm like, okay, this guy is really going for it. One last break here on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast before we wrap up our conversation with Scott Smith, the senior editor or senior writer and editor of Buccaneers.com. And we're doing so thanks to our friends over at Built Bar, which has nine delicious flavor. Plus, they do drop the occasional limited time flavor. Whenever you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their favorite flavors. Mine, the mint brownie, but they also have coconut, coconut, almond, cherry, raspberry, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, and salted caramel. So there's a little something for everyone, no matter what your taste is. You know what your favorite flavor is. If you don't, grab yourself a mix box. You'll get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are Built Bars the best tasting protein bars on the market, but they're also healthy. Most of these bars have 17 grams of protein while packing just 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, and only four grams of net carbs. Order yours today. Get the mix box or get your favorite flavor by going to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your first order. Again, that's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast also brought to you by our friends over at Rock Auto. One reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money that you can then use for other important things like your mortgage or food, what have you. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, or 100% more for the exact same auto part at a chain store or a new car dealership? Go to rockauto.com, a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules, brake parts, to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com final segment here on Monday of the Lockdown Bucks podcast again David Harrison and James Jarko joined by Scott Smith the senior writer and editor of Buccaneers.com yeah he's he's definitely not shy about you know putting it out there that he wants to be the best i mean that was that was why he left denver to begin with for the opportunity to play every down and and look what happened there and you know he's got his long-term deal so of course everybody's excited to have to have Shaq there but let's talk about some of the guys that play behind Shaq, and this is something that david and i have talked about quite a bit on this show and you know, in the postseason, the secondary started using the name the Grave Diggers <laughs> after being on a mission to prove that the 32nd place ranking from before <laughs> last season was completely and totally wrong, that they were the worst secondary in football. How much pressure is there on these corners and safeties to live up to the mantra that they have created for themselves? And on top of that, improve even more heading into this season as the defending Super Bowl champs, knowing they are going to get everybody's heaviest hit and biggest punch. 
Yeah, I think there's a lot of pressure on those guys. I, I don't think they would necessarily view it that way, but um, yeah, they, they've still got a lot to prove, I think. And there, it's it's so many young guys, so you would expect them to get better every year. You, you, like you said, everybody's going to be bringing their best, and and get, you know, playing cornerback in today's NFL is probably the hardest thing to do. And you see guys like Sean Murphy Bunting last year, after a real strong finish to his rookie season, kind of have an up and down year for a good part of it. And then, you know, righted himself at the end and was phenomenal in the playoffs. And so I think there's probably a lot of pressure on those guys to just be consistent. I think uh, Carlton Davis has reached that point. I don't know yet if Sean Murphy Bunning and Jamel Dean have reached that point where um, you're getting their best effort every single week. And that's probably what they're going to focus on this year. And then you got Antoine Winfield, who, you know, burst out of the gate last year, made a lot of big plays early made a lot of big plays late in the season, but there was that, you know, pretty long stretch in the middle of the season where he didn't really show up with big plays that much. And and that's not a knock on a guy because he had a great season the entire time. But the best of Antoine Winfield would be a guy who's giving you big plays, turnovers and so on, you know, not necessarily on a weekly basis, but close to that. So I, I, I think you're it's probably fair to say there's pressure on those guys to raise their game another level uh, because it's, it's, it's going to be harder to win a second in a row, not easier. And so we're going to need more out of everybody. I would think. Yeah, absolutely. Scott. And then uh, we've also recently seen kind of an exodus from the NFC South of some, some top tier talent, of course, uh, Drew Brees retiring, which I think every Buccaneers fan takes kind of fandom credit uh, for helping <laughs> to encourage him do so. Uh, Julio Jones then also, you know, essentially refusing. We don't know all the details obviously, but, according to what he told Shannon Sharp, essentially refusing to come back to the Atlanta Falcons, subsequently traded to the Tennessee Titans. So obviously this defense is scaring away all of the other teams, <laughs> very, very talented players. Teddy Bridgewater leaving, fleeing for the mile high city. Yeah, Curtis, I mean, Samuel. Curtis Samuel also leaving. Yeah, he's still, he's still got to face that defense once this year, but it's probably better than twice. <laughs> um, what do these moves mean to you for the Buccaneers in 2021? Because obviously on the surface, it looks like the, the path has gotten a little bit easier almost. But, you know, I, I don't think this team is going to kind of take it that way. Uh, and which of these moves do you think has the biggest impact on the NFC South moving forward? Well, it's got to be Drew Brees retiring because you just don't know um, what's going to happen with the transition to the next guy. He's been there since, uh, what, 05, I think? 2005 was his first – 2006 was his first year there, I think. 2005 was the hurricane year, and then the next year Drew Brees came in, and, and they've been contenders ever since. And it's one thing to look at the Saints last year and look at Drew Brees' performance, look how they did without him, um, look at the fact that he – you apparently couldn't throw the ball downfield very well anymore. That certainly showed up in the uh, playoff game against the Buccaneers. And it's easy to say this is still a very strong roster, even with some of the guys they had to get rid of, uh, like Emmanuel Sanders, and and they couldn't re-sign Trey Hendrickson and guys like that. Um, even with the guys that they lost, it's still a very talented roster. And when you say, you know, Drew Brees wasn't really the vintage Drew Brees anymore last year, so they should still be a very good team. But I don't know, man. It, it's been... Can, can you count on Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill to keep that team going the same way Drew Brees did? I mean, Not if, as confidently. Yeah, if you take the same, if Jameis Winston becomes the same Jameis Winston, and I'm not rooting against him except when they play the Buccaneers, I'm not rooting against him. But if you have the same Jameis Winston instead of Drew Brees, and you have all those turnovers, that's going to drastically change the outlook for for the Saints. And we don't know what Taysom Hill can do if he's the full-time starter. So, to me, that's the biggest one, and it's a big question mark. I, there, to me, there's a big variance in what could happen with the Saints this year. And I could see them 
declining quite a bit because of that, despite the fact that they still have a very talented roster. You know, this, the Falcons losing Julio Jones was a big deal. Um, I think, you know, I, I, I'm not with these people who think he's just going to get hurt again. He played, I think, 63 of the last 64 games before his injury plague season last year. And for the Buccaneers, this is a guy that averaged, I think, 115, yard, 115 yards and a touchdown uh, in his career against the Buccaneers. So I'm very glad that he's gone personally. Yeah, my Colts-loving boss is not thrilled about the result <laughs> of that trade. Um, Scott, what were your thoughts when you heard the news about the contract extension slash amendments for Bruce Arians and Jason Light, especially given, and we've talked about it with you on the show before, especially given some of the noise outside of the organization regarding Jason Light as a general manager leading up to the past couple years when he's really had just some phenomenal seasons in terms of drafting and free agency. Yeah, obviously both of those extensions or amendments, um, raises, whatever they were, um, are fantastic. Congratulations and well-deserved to both of those guys. Um, in terms of Jason Light specifically, I guess because he got an extension, uh, which means more years, that's just great news for the Buccaneers. It, 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 yeah, of course there was criticism of Jason Light, as there would be of any general manager who was uh, leading a team that had you know couldn't get through, break through that playoff drop for a while, but you can look back now three or four years ago and see how it all started to come together and, and all the incredible, I mean, you can't get to the point where you have a roster this talented um, without the general manager doing all kinds of great things. Um, you know, just really nailing one move after another. And what can you say? I mean, why would you not want to keep that guy around as long as possible? Yeah, absolutely. Scott. And then the last question for you today uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers of course on the field, winning their second Super Bowl in franchise history, meaning, that they had caught up to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' own public relations staff. However, that staff not <laughs> allowing the football operation side of things to keep up for very long as they've won their third Pete Rosell Award. The other awards coming according to press releases and other news articles, 1998 and 2003. And, and a quick shout out, uh, if I'm missing any names, Scott, please feel free to throw them out there. Nelson Louise, Michael Pahanic, Chris King, Andrew Holman, Danielle Burns, and then Jake Spitz. I've met every single one of them except for Jake. I don't know if this last season was his first, which would explain why I hadn't, I hadn't met him yet. Um, but winning that Roselle Award, uh, I mean, what can you say about those guys? Because our listeners, I mean, they don't even know who most of those people are, but there's a lot of work uh, that they do in the background that we appreciate. I'm sure you appreciate. I know uh, that, you know, the pewter reports of the world and, and the Rick Strouds of the world, Greg Hommans, also appreciate them as well. Uh, yeah, to clear that up, the Jake Spitz was the intern last year. And um, it was funny because it was at the Super Bowl, and uh, I was sitting in my normal spot in the press box and there was a person I did not recognize sitting in the PR area. And just over the course of conversation between a couple of people, I'm like, oh, you must be Jake Spitz because I'd gotten a million emails from the kid who's a really hard worker, did a fantastic job as an intern, had never met the guy because of this weird COVID season yeah. until the Super Bowl. So, um, but yeah, you got all the others uh, led by Nelson Luis and to be clear, you said 98 and 03. That's when the awards were given to them, but it was for the 97 and 2002 seasons. There you go. And this is actually the second one for Nelson because he was on that 1997 crew. Okay. Uh, which was led by Reggie Roberts. And actually, I was also on that PR team. Well, I used go. to be in public relations. And Nelson Luis was on that one, so it's come full circle for him. But I think you'd be hard-pressed to find too many PR departments around the league. And, and actually, they technically go – 
call themselves the communications department, um, who do more for the media, you know, the transcripts that they provide and, and how well they handle all the requests and especially the difficulty of this past year. Uh, it, it was, it was very well deserved. I, I can't say enough about every single one of the guys, people that you mentioned, including Danielle. Um, they're all fantastic. And Nelson already has an amazing career as do as Mike's been in the league for a very long time, but they're all going to go on to extremely good careers in this league. It's not, it's not the last you heard of any of those people. All right. Well, Scott, thank you so much for some of your time and, and talking a little mini camp with us and giving us a little behind the scenes look at, at what was going on with uh, the communications department. What do you have on tap over at Buccaneers.com? And are you going to get some well-deserved and well-earned vacation time here in this dead period? Yeah, like you said, it's a dead period. So at this point of the year, um, it's a matter of trying to figure out what can we come up with to, you know, to still provide entertainment for the fans. And I'll be doing some things, but I think what I prefer to actually um, highlight uh, isn't something that I was involved in, but is is so amazing. And that's uh, um, In the Current is coming back. Uh, six episodes starting next Wednesday to cover the entire last season. Um, it'll be it'll be Wednesday, every Wednesday at eight o'clock for six weeks, leading up right to the one right before the start of training camp. And the last one will be focused just on the Super Bowl. I have seen some clips of it. It is amazing. You're absolutely going to want to make sure you watch every single one of those. Um, I, I can't wait. I I could look at them now. I could ask them to show them to me, but I'm just going to wait and do it every Wednesday at eight o'clock. So it'll be on all the platforms, Buccaneers.com and YouTube and um, Twitter and and uh, our app. So look out for that. I think it's the best thing we're going to have over the next six weeks. And yeah, I'm going to get some vacation time. Everybody does during this time of the year. Good. Well, and you just made a lot of people happy with that announcement of in the current coming. Uh, really, really excited to see that. So again, Scott, thank you so much for uh, for joining us, and we look forward to doing it again soon. Yeah, hopefully. Um, yeah, hopefully sometime around training camp or something, so we can talk about actual football going on. Sounds good to me. All right, thanks, guys. Always a pleasure. All right, guys, and that's going to do it for today's episode of the Locked on Bucks podcast. Thank you so much for joining James and I and for listening in as we spoke with Scott Smith, the senior writer and editor over at Buccaneers.com. Of course, find him on Twitter at Scott S. Bucks. Find me at DHarrison82. Find James at JRCO underscore Bucks. Find the show at Locked on Bucks. Find everything we're writing about your Tampa Bay Buccaneers at BucksNation.com on Twitter at Bucks underscore Nation. James and I will be back for our next episode with you on Monday. In the meantime, if you have a question, a topic, a response, something that you want to talk about on the show with us, send those over to 813-444-5841 or email us at LockdownBucksPodcast at gmail.com. We've already got some voicemails and questions lined up for that episode, so make sure you come back and check that out with us. Get more of the sports news you need in less time. The Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. I'm David Harrison for James Jarko and Scott Smith. Thank you so much for joining me right here at Locked On Bucks.